What is your hometown's main claim to fame? What makes it famous? This is Tuesday, September 5th. I grew up here in Miami. What is Miami known for? It's known for its strong Cuban and Latin influence, warm weather, pristine beaches, and great diving sites. The city is also home to some famous teams and landmarks, such as the Miami Heat, or the iconic Miami Tower, and the beautiful Everglades National Park that's nearby. So when you invite someone to come and visit you here, what do you tell them? If it's winter, you may tell them that we're suffering through a winter heat wave, the high is 80 degrees, and so on. Now we look at our claim to fame because the, the way Jesus entered into the world was the opposite of famous. It was simple. An unwed couple far from home, seeking accommodations during a time of distress in the land. Jesus was born in a stable. His first bed was a feeding trough. His mother Mary nursed him in a place where the odors, well, they weren't nice, and likely with the sound of cattle. But if Jesus entered without fanfare or fame, what happened after he began his ministry changed all that. Um, we, what the word got around and started to circulate about Jesus after he began teaching and healing. Now we think of all this and our text for today might sa- seem surprising. Here's John chapter 17 verse 10. All I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. Now we've learned this is the high priestly prayer of Jesus, and in it, Jesus acknowledges this inseparable bond he has with the Father. It's a share and share alike relationship. Jesus and the Father are one, and they share all that they have. Jesus gains glory, and then that glory goes to the Father. The Father then glorifies the Son, and in turn, the Son gives glory to the Father. Now, thinking about the glory of Jesus, we might expect that large crowds following him might be the source of his glory. Or perhaps Jesus might mention his miracles. But no, Jesus explains that his glory has come through his disciples, not through his teaching. His acclaim among the popular people, it's not that either. But it's through them. Now, we might wonder how Jesus can say this and what it means. Well, first, Jesus doesn't glory in the things we glory in. He isn't drawn to the popularity of crowds. Actually, we see that Jesus often sends the crowds away. He doesn't draw his glory from the miracles he works. There are many times in which Jesus exhorts the recipient of one of his miracles telling that person to share what he has done with no one. He's not a man looking for fame in any way. Instead, he notes that the glory that has come to him has come through his disciples. How can he say this? Well, he can see how they are changing. In the beginning, they did not believe in him. In the beginning, they did not know who he was. But over time, a transformation has taken place. It is this and who they have become that has brought Jesus glory. I often think about this as a pastor. 
One of the greatest joys is watching God work in people's lives over time. I have come to see God uses three major ingredients in the lives of his people. First, there is time. Yes, God works in our lives, and we discover he is willing to take his time to change us. This means that we often overestimate what God will do in a week or month or year, but we underestimate what God will do over 10 or 20 years or over a lifetime. When we love people, we want to give them time. This is the space they need to grow, and this is what God gives us. It is best not to expect change to come quickly, for life and healing do not come overnight. I understand this. We become impatient. We want people to learn lessons quickly, but it rarely happens this way. God spent 40 years in the wilderness with his people, teaching them to trust in him, forming them into a nation, and preparing them for their future. The Apostle Paul spent over 10 years after his conversion, coming to know God through Jesus Christ and learning the gospel. And this was time well spent. No shortcuts were possible. This was the preparation that he needed. But there's a second ingredient. The second ingredient God uses is truth. That is what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus immersed the disciples in his truth for three years. He spoke the word of God to them. Like our world, theirs was filled with spin and lies. Some, at the time of Jesus, believed God had forgotten them. They'd given up in waiting for the Messiah to appear. Others turned to violence against the Romans as their source of hope. But Jesus came with a word of truth. He told them about their true condition and then offered them a living hope. But here's something about Jesus and truth. Apart from a few sermons he gave, Jesus shared the truth just a little bit at a time because he knew people could only take so much in one sitting. They had to process what they heard. Jesus didn't pour out more than people were willing and ready to receive. The truth is the disciples themselves didn't understand much of what Jesus taught them until after the crucifixion and resurrection. Today, people ingest and digest truth very slowly. They love information, yeah, but their stomachs get upset if they receive too much truth. Everything is carefully filtered and weighed in the balance. And some people, well, they won't accept the truth at all. This means, as we shall see, we seek those places where we can receive truth and those people that will speak the truth to us in love. And that leads us to the third ingredient. It's grace. Grace is love, it's favor, it's kindness. Grace is help from outside ourselves that makes a difference in our lives when we need it. And we nearly always need it. Grace works with truth and time to restore us to God to show us that we're loved and we matter to God. Now I've learned that we need all three to change and grow. Truth without grace, and we will be overwhelmed by our need, our condition. But grace without truth, and we'll never know the God who is holy. And time, well, all of this takes time. 
as we said, there's no shortcut. Now we can look at back at people we know and see how love and time, how grace and truth has shaped them. As you look at people in your life, do they need time? Do they need truth? Do they need grace? Jesus was the master at using these gifts of God for the shaping of men and women. And it is why following Jesus will change your life. Or better put, he will apply his grace and truth over time to shape you into his image and likeness. He is the one that changes us. Let's pray. Faithful God, we become impatient with ourselves when we see little growth, little change. We rejoice that you're not impatient with us, but you care for us each day, giving us a truth we can receive and digest and a grace that opens the way to a new life. Enable us to trust in your timing and your ways, for we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.